I founded the BeWare Collective, a not-for-profit organization that aims to bring nutritional education and mental health support to the fashion and creative industries. I believe the topics we discuss throughout our series are relevant to whatever industry that you work in or any issues that you might be facing. Because as a collective, together, we are stronger. Welcome to this week's episode of Live Well, Be Well with your host, Sarah Ann Macklin. I want to quickly just say that the BWAG Collective are opening their workshop doors to you and I couldn't be more excited than to announce that on this podcast this week. I am so thrilled that we can now deliver informative, fun and interactive workshops to every single person. This isn't just for the fashion and creative industries. This is for you who's listening. So please come along and sign up to our newsletter to hear the new workshops coming out this month. I'm so thrilled to hopefully see you all there. We've had such a demand for this. So I'm really, really excited that we can now open our doors to you. And now on to this week's episode. Now, have you ever tried CBD? I don't think that there is an ear of the nation that hasn't heard the words CBD uttered in the past two years. The stats show a similar state of affairs because the US CBD market is set to reach 1.8 billion US dollars by 2022. That's half a billion dollars in 2018. It has been heralded as the potential saviour of our anxiety and general mental health. Now, seeing as one in 20 people now experience clinical anxiety, there is a huge need for natural remedies to help reduce it. But what is the scientific evidence surrounding CBD? What is it telling us? In the UK, the popularity of CBD as an alternative healthcare supplement is booming but it can still be a minefield when it comes to ensuring the quality of what you're buying. Many products that have often benefited from the unregulated marketing campaigns are questionable of their quality and their source. A recent study of CBD products available online, specifically tinctures and vaporisation oils, show that more than 69% were mislabeled in the concentration of CBD they contained, more than 43% less CBD, some, virtually none, and some containing THC. So to help me explore this minefield, because it's not just you guys that are listening that are also kind of probably overwhelmed with the subject. I was too until I started researching this podcast. I wanted to bring on somebody who had real expertise in this area. So I asked Dr. Julie Mogti. She's a medical doctor, a peer-reviewed clinical researcher and industry consultant with a focus on medical cannabis and holistic health. Dr. Julie prescribes medical cannabis in Denmark and she works in child psychiatry in Sweden. She's on the advisory board of the Conservative Drug Policy Reform Group, the Primary Care Cannabis Network and the patient organisation CPAS, among others. She is also the author of A Quick Guide to CBD. So I couldn't think of anyone better to have on this podcast and talk to us around everything 
regarding CBD. Julie, welcome to Live Well, Be Well today. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm really good. I am very happy to be seeing you again. It's been a while because of the pandemic. I know. I know you're currently in Sweden, aren't you, at the moment? Yeah, I'm in Sweden and I've, I have been back to the UK. But when the pandemic started, we lived there permanently. And now we have sort of relocated back to my farm here in Sweden. So I'm currently waiting for our baby girl to arrive in the next four days or something like that. <laughs> or at least my due date is in four days. So <laughs> let's try and get through this episode without... Your water breaking. <laughs> this could be the first time ever that a podcast has been recorded and somebody has given birth. <laughs> you might make history. So today we're going to be focused on CBD. I mean, you are an expert within the cannabinoid kind of research and that sector of things, which is why I wanted to get you on. Not only have you written a book regarding CBD, but you've done, is it over 40 peer-reviewed papers you've written around kind of like medical cannabis and holistic health and looking at this area much more in depth than than many people. Thank you. That's a very flattering introduction. Sadly, I have not written that many papers. I've done one bigger study, which came out last year, and I've been contributing to other studies. Mostly, I have been working clinically with the cannabinoids with CBD and THC in a pain clinic in Copenhagen and in my holistic practice where I use it a lot for sleep, pain and, and anxiety management. You know, like in, in my profession, being a medical doctor, like the word expert, it kind of like it's so cringing because you know that someone who really calls themselves an expert actually probably is exaggerating because I don't even have a, you know, you, you want to have a PhD in cannabinoids. I don't have that. Does that exist? <laughs> I mean, you can write a PhD about cannabinoids. I haven't done that, though. But I would say I've spent a lot of time researching about cannabinoids. I did write a book about CBD. I work clinically with it, done so for years. And and I am involved in, in many uh, patient organizations and, and other non-for-profit organizations. So I would say that I probably know more than most people without calling myself an expert. <laughs> well, I can call you an expert if you're happy for me to do that, because I definitely think that you are. And you have a phenomenal amount of research in this area. And the reason why we have you on here is because it is evidence-based. And I think that's what's really important. We really want to deliver on this podcast, you know, to our listeners, the facts. And the thing with CBD, it has ex- it's exploded and it's become a really trendy thing to use. I think from what I read recently, it's a 2 billion euro estimated industry for the European market. I mean, it's huge, the amount of money CBD is making. But I don't think including myself until I've started researching a lot more about this podcast, really understand much about CBD. And so you mentioned a few things there on, you know, what you work in it for, but you know, what kind of got you interested in cannabis and CBD and I guess the other kind of sectors of it as well? 
Yeah, so I think that what really got me interested in CBD and working with the other cannabinoids is my holistic approach to things. So I am uh, educated as a medical doctor and I have worked like with this sort of very conventional healthcare system a lot, but I clearly realized quite early on that it wasn't enough to only look at this kind of very conventional squared outlook on how to to make people healthier and happier. It was simply like not, I think, taking enough things into account, like, for example, stress and anxiety and sleep problems and where we had so few good treatment options. So I started looking into more sort of non-pharmaceutical ways to help people out because I thought the pharmaceutical options were pretty rubbish and had many side effects and were only for severe, severe cases. So I didn't really know when I was working as GP what to, to do with those mild cases who still needed help. So I, I got really interested in mindfulness and meditation and along with that, more herbal medicines. And then I moved to the UK for my partner, who is English. And then it was really getting bigger and bigger CBD at that point. It was like 18, 19. And I just got this opportunity to work with the guys from the drugstore, who is a sort of a wellness, well-being retailer. And they started out as a CBD retailer and and yeah that was kind of how it caught my interest I started working as a scientific advisor for them and the CBD world was exploding the cannabinoid world was exploding I, I just happened to be there at the right time so that was uh, really exciting to be part of that so I worked a lot with public education and went to many of those big conferences before the pandemic started Let's kind of bring it back to, you know, you've had this amazing journey at the kind of the beginning of when CBD was, well, I say the beginning, CBD has actually been around for a long time, but to the kind of forefront of, you know, everyday people understanding what CBD is. But what does CBD actually stand for? What's it, what's the abbreviation stand for? So CBD is short for cannabidiol and cannabidiol is a cannabinoid. A cannabinoid is one out of about 500 like chemical substances in the cannabis plant. So CBD and the other cannabinoids that you can find in the cannabis plants, they come from the flower, from the sort of top of uh, cannabis plant. And you collect it as this sort of like sticky brown resin, which is fat soluble. And from there, you can subtract all these oily, incredible goods like the cannabinoids, like CBD, THC, which is the one that is known from recreational cannabis where you where people might use it to get high, but also terpenes. Terpenes are basically essential oils and they also have uh, medical properties. This is used in aromatherapy, but we have different terpenes that are found in cannabis plant and, and flavonoids, which is like the coloring of the plant. So that is CBD cannabidiol. It's one among about a little more than 100 cannabinoids that you can find in the cannabis plant. And it's the second most abundant, but it depends a little bit on the cannabis-like breed that you get, because obviously you have certain cannabis strains that have been cultivated to yield a lot of CBD. And then you have some that have been cultivated to yield a lot of THC, which is usually the um, medical cannabis. 
And that's the one that, you know, has a psychoactive effect. So it's essentially the THC is what people have it, what we would essentially say is weed. And that can kind of have these psychoactive effects, which you said can make you high. And CBD doesn't have that effect, does it? It's not being found to have the psychoactive effect that THC has. Yeah, so there's like a small kind of definition question there because they're actually both psychoactive. Like a lot of people get quite confused. Psychoactive just means that something is working within the brain, interacting with receptors in the brain. It doesn't mean that it's making you high. So CBD is also psychoactive because it can sort of alter your mental state in in a very subtle way. Like this is, for example, what happens with anxiety and sleep and, and why you can use it for that. But it's not psychotropic. So when you talk about substances that are psychotropic, that means that it alters your state of consciousness in a way which is more hallucinogenic or like kind of where you get an altered perception. So actually THC is, you can say, psychotropic or psychotomimetic. And both CBD and THC are psychoactive, just meaning that they work in the brain and sort of change different like synapses in the brain so that it has an an activity in the brain. Wow. I'm so pleased that you said that because there's so much misinformation and it's so true how easily it is to get, you know, these things mixed up. But essentially at the end of it, THC makes you high. CBD doesn't make you high, but they both have a psychoactive effect. That's what you want to know. That's where you know, when CBD came out, and it's the same thing when hemp came out, I think people got quite worried because it was from the same plant, but essentially they have all different effects. Yes, yeah. Okay, so going back to CBD, so how does it interact with our, I mean, you just mentioned there were some kind of our synapses and different parts of our system. So taking it to how CBD interacts with our system. Now there's something called the endocannabinoid system. Can you tell our listeners really what, is the endocannabinoid system and what effect does CBD have on it? Yeah, and well done for pronouncing that because that's not an easy (laughs) one. So the endocannabinoid system is basically a system that we have spread out through our whole body. It is a bit like all of our other neurotransmitter systems like the serotonin system, which you can find throughout most of the body as well, or at least like in the gut and the brain. And the endocannabinoid system consists of the receptors that we have spread out through the whole body. So CB1 and CB2 receptors, we have more receptors for the endocannabinoid system than we have for the opioid system in the brain. So it's really widely represented there in most parts of the brain as well. And then we have receptors in uh, our bones and in our gut and in our muscles. We have receptors in our reproductive organs, immune cells. That's also why CBD can be anti-inflammatory. So we have these receptors and then we have the messenger molecules that is part of uh, modulating the receptors and thereby changing different functions in our body. So these are the most famous ones are called anandamide and 2-AG. And this is like these messenger molecules that are called the 
endocannabinoids, right? So you have the cannabinoids, that's CBD and THC and CBG and all the, the hundreds of others. You have the endocannabinoids, that's like the body's own cannabis molecules. The most famous one is anandamide, is named after the Sanskrit word for bliss because it's uh, supposedly bringing on this blissful feeling and people who have high anandamide levels are often quite happy. It's associated with like doing things that you enjoy. So like if you like singing or if you are a runner and you get the runners high, like those things are associated with increased levels of anandamide. And then you have the enzymes that breaks down these messenger molecules. And so that's the endocannabinoid system. And the endocannabinoid system is distributed all over the body. And because we have it in the whole body, as I told you, I was naming the different parts of the body where you could find it. Because of that, it has a lot of different functions as well, like the endocannabinoid system. We are still uncovering these functions. We still don't know to what extent, like to how, which extent it's fully uncovered. There's still a lot more to learn. But we do know that it is involved in regulating our mental health and mood. The endocannabinoid system is involved in regulating our immune system. It's involved in regulating most likely fertility as well. It's hunger. It can trigger nausea. It has an effect on our cardiovascular system and our bones. So there are quite a lot of different functions that are being regulated partly by the endocannabinoid system. And that's also why the field of research of what we can use cannabinoids to in medicine, it's huge. Like people have been researching in psychiatry and obesity and diabetes into the cardiovascular system and whether cannabis can be used for pain regulation, because that's another thing that the endocannabinoid system is also regulating pain. I can't believe I forgot to say that. I even work at a pain clinic. <laughs> well, there just seems to be so much that CBD interacts with and the benefits. And obviously we will talk about the other side of it, you know, the side effects that come with CBD, but it does sound, and as we know, the body is so integrated that actually there's this whole system that I don't think many people were actually aware of. And I certainly wasn't myself until this podcast. And it does show actually, you know, the benefits that CBD could bring. But you mentioned something about research and studies and how it's ongoing in a very vast area. But research is still quite relatively new with CBD, isn't it? But it's one that's growing immensely. And do we know much about the dosages that come with CBD? For somebody listening to this thinking, okay, I'm starting to kind of understand a bit more about it. But there's so many products with CBD. You know, where do you start? So if we're talking about the research, you're definitely right that we're getting a lot more research. And there are certain things that we for certain know that CBD does. Like, for example, we have CBD products that are approved to treat epilepsy in children. So that's one area where we actually have licensed medical products containing CBD. And that's because it stops their fits, isn't it? 
Yeah, we don't know exactly how it works, but we know that somehow it works in the brain to reduce seizures. And these children are often children with a kind of epilepsy, which is not responding well to other first-line treatments. So this means that they have already tried other kinds of epilepsy drugs without an effect. And so CBD is the last resort. It's also very expensive. And it has actually, in certain studies, it helps about 30 to 50% of those children who have not responded to other things. So that's quite a lot. So that's like one field where we really have a lot of research. But then we also know that it's just a potent anti-inflammatory And we know that it's an antioxidant. And then it has been researched in psychiatric research. We have looked at it for schizophrenia, um, but even for like uh, things like anxiety. And that leads me to the dosage because you asked about the dosage. And when you look at those early studies, we use very, very high dosages of CBD. So, for example, with the anxiety studies, it's often like a one time dose of 300 milligrams or up to 600 milligrams, which is a very, very high dosage and not a dosage that anyone would probably use on their own. The, the dosages that that most people are are using if you use sort of over-the-counter CBD is more something which resembles like 25 to 50 milligrams per day or like 10 milligrams per dosage or something like that, which has something to do with price, one thing, but also what's being recommended by the FSA, which is not to exceed 70 milligrams per day. And this is when it's over-the-counter and non-regulated CBD. When we do have CBD, for example, when I prescribe it to pain patients, then they can end up taking higher doses, like maybe 100 milligrams a day or 150. For epilepsy, it's also quite higher doses than, than you would use if you were just using it for anxiety or stress. What I'm trying to say here is that it depends a lot about the indication. Why are you using it? That's one. And then... It also depends in the kind of like setting that you're using it in. Is it a medical setting prescribed by a doctor or is it more a sort of health and wellness supplement scenario where you're buying it as an over-the-counter supplement? And that's so important. We're going to come on to all the different kind of areas where CBD has been linked to in research studies. And you mentioned a couple there, but I just think it's such an important area and you said it so well, it really depends on what you're treating. And I think that's something really important that we can sometimes just go into as many in London and and in the UK, kind of these supplement stores. I'm not going to name any brands, but you can just walk in and take many supplements off the shelf. And we're not always really aware of the implications. Like, are we actually getting what we think we're getting? Because if I'm right and correct in this, there isn't any verification system for CBD yet. I'm hearing that is going to be sooner or later in the UK, but there's nothing approved for CBD to set a standard. So basically, I think most people, from what I understand, can sell CBD without having to go through any kind of guidelines. So this just changed. And before it was like you say that anyone could sell CBD and anyone could produce CBD. I mean, not produce CBD, but sell CBD or have products made. 
But now, because CBD, the regulations have changed. And we now, there's something called the Novel Food Act. And that just means that to make it very black and white, now all companies that are selling CBD in the UK have to apply for approval. And this is quite an expensive process. And so we actually have now regulations with the CBD, which is sold in the UK. And that's just come in. Yeah, it just came in. So it's like the process that you had to, I think it was like 2021, CBD brands had to file their applications. So they could still, while the application was filed, they could still sell. And then only the ones that got approval have been able to continue. So it has definitely caught a huge part of the market off because it was really quite expensive to apply and you have to apply for every product. But this is a kind of quality, I would say, guarantee for the British consumer. So it's actually really great that we have this now. And this means that all products, it's way more likely that they are going to contain the actual dosage that they say on the package. It's more likely that they have been controlled for pesticides and heavy metals and just that the quality of the product is up to a certain standard. And so I would say that it's now a lot safer to be a CBD consumer in the UK. Before we go back to our conversation, I want to tell you about something very exciting. Your chance to try a premium CBD oil for yourself, absolutely free. Recently, I have been taking the time to try out Platinum CBD from Columbia Care. They're pioneering wellness range. Personally, I love their CBD oil in peppermint, which tastes great, as many CBD oils can have that quite bitter taste. I personally started using CBD in the evenings, just before I go to sleep, and it's really helped me benefit from an undisturbed good night's sleep. For you, it's really important to find out which brand works, but Columbia Care does ensure great quality. All of their range is free from THC, it's vegan friendly, it's 100% organic and backed with scientific research, which is one of the most important things, to ensure you get a premium CBD product every time. If you want to give them a go, I would really recommend this range and brand. They are very kindly giving away a free sample of their 10 mil peppermint to all of my Live Well, Be Well listeners. So basically, you can try before you buy. I would strongly encourage you guys to try this free sample to see what you may benefit from when taking it. It's so easy to get your complimentary free sample. Just add their 10 mil peppermint oil to your basket as the ROP price is usually £39.95 and use the code LBWBFREE. That's LBWBFREE at the checkout via their website, which is coal-care.uk. And I'll obviously pop that in my show notes just in case you don't have time to write that down. For clarity, all you have to do to get an amazing bottle of the 40 pound CBD completely free is visit coal 
hypencare.uk and add 10 ml peppermint oil to your basket using the code WBWBFREE at the checkout. It's an amazing opportunity to try a high quality CBD for yourself. I'll pop all the info in the show notes. And so when people are looking at products, there's so many different ones. And regarding kind of an oil like tincture style or a form of a pill, what is kind of going to be the most effective, do you feel? Yeah, so... There are certain studies that are made on how well CBD is absorbed. And it, of course, it depends which kind of CBD is in the product. But if we now take the most common form of CBD, which is CBD oil, so that will be CBD either as isolate, which is just like the CBD isolated from the flower or CBD broad spectrum, which is CBD and other cannabinoids and terpenes, then mixed into a carrier oil, which can be like an MCT coconut oil or olive oil or whatever is chosen. And in that form, CBD is soluble with fat. And that means that if you take CBD as an oil, it is quite a good idea to take it with a fatty meal. So like a bit of avocado, some nuts and seeds or something like that. It doesn't have to be an unhealthy fatty meal, but (laughs) some healthy fats. And then it has been shown that if you take it as an oil, it is good to place it under the tongue first for about a minute or so before you swallow it. And so if you are indeed like mixing your CBD oil into a cafe latte or into like some other drink, which is like not maybe a cafe latte is better than a juice. But first of all, you're not getting the chance to put the CBD underneath your tongue. So you won't get that first absorption of the cannabinoids through the capillaries, like the thin blood vessels in your mouth. But also, you might not be taking it with the right kind of food because it's not necessarily something which is fatty and helps it being absorbed better. If we were talking about the oils, I would say the best way to take an oil is to put it under the tongue and take it with something fatty. It has been shown to increase absorption. But then, of course, you can get water-soluble CBD. And if you are indeed like buying a CBD drink, like, for example, Trip CBD or any of those other CBD drinks out there, then that will be with water-soluble CBD. And that should be a pretty good way to take up CBD as well, because the CBD is already made water-soluble before it's like mixed into the drink. You can also take CBD as capsules. When you take them as a capsule, they often go further into your intestine before it actually is absorbed. And so that means that it can be a good way to use CBD if you are using it for anti-inflammation in the gut. So let's say you're suffering from IBS or some other like inflammatory bowel disease, then it can be a good way to take it as a capsule. It can also be a way to dose more accurate um, for people who don't really like to use it under the tongue and who finds it a bit, you know, that you have to figure out the right dosage. And and the taste as well. It's quite an interesting taste, isn't it? You've got to be kind of... Yeah. 
going to have some strong taste buds, I think, with some of the CBD yeah, oils. Yeah, some of the CBD isolates, they don't really taste of anything. But if you have like a broad spectrum one, it obviously it can taste a lot like cannabis. And yeah, it's quite a strong taste. I would say that another way to use CBD is a way which is quite big in the UK as well, is vaporizing. Obviously, the vape market is huge. Is that not mixed with nicotine and things like that? Not necessarily. You can certainly vape CBD without nicotine, but you can, of course, also vaporize nicotine with CBD. I do not recommend in any way using nicotine. It's like extremely addicting and the dosages that you get when you're vaping are very high, even compared to like normal cigarettes. So, but like vaporizing pure CBD, that's what most people are doing. And it's a very, very quick onset method. And so, for example, with my patients who are pain patients, they often tend to vaporize in big medical vaporizers. So it's basically the same thing that's happening but it's just like a medical device and it's very quick onset because it goes directly into your lungs and then into your bloodstream from there so that's also why like you know if you ever had tried smoking weed you would know that it doesn't take very long before you get high it's like a couple of puffs and a few minutes and you might feel the first effect and it's the same with CBD so like for example people who suffer from anxiety they often tend to benefit a lot from this kind of delivery method where you might have an anxiety that can come on quickly, let's say just a social anxiety or an anxiety which is connected to public transportation or whatever it is. And then you can take a few puffs of your vaporizer and you get like a more quicker onset, you know, within maybe five to 10 minutes compared to if you had to take it as an oil where the onset is more sort of like 20 minutes to an hour. Or it can be longer, what I've heard as well. Sometimes with some CBDs, you sometimes don't always see immediate effects. Sometimes it can take, I've heard, up to like 12 hours for you to, and and you have to take it regularly to really feel an effect. Is that also true in some cases? That's a good point. Again, that depends a bit how and how much you take and why you take it. Like, let's say that you take it for the anti-inflammatory effects, then it's definitely the case that prolonged like uh, exposure to CBD or like to use CBD over a, a longer period of time is a really good idea. Also because it's the fat soluble. If you take it like as an oil and then it will store in your fat tissue and you will get a constant CBD concentration in your body, which can be beneficial for many of these inflammatory conditions that so many of us are dealing with. This can just be something like, you know, pain, even pain after working out, like that's a local inflammation in your muscles. So there you can benefit from taking CBD regularly. Like when it comes to CBD for anxiety, for example, many people, they do get an immediate effect, but often it really depends on your sort of like your metabolism and the cannabinoid system. With my clients and my holistic practice, I see that some people, they get an effect immediately and for others, they have to so slowly increase the dosage and also to take it regularly before it actually gives an effect on their mental health. So it's really individual and you can't really say also that like sadly we don't have the research to really say why it is like that. But I suspect it's like with all 
myths that it depends a bit on your like gender, your body type, your metabolism, all these kind of things. Yeah, that's really important. I'm glad you touched upon that because it was something we spoke about just before we recorded the podcast. And, you know, there's a lot of articles that say women should take less CBD than men. You know, it has a bigger effect on women. And it's not that case at all, which, we, you know, we just spoke about and you shared before the podcast started recording because it's, you know, there's so many different facets to why that could be, such as they might have a faster or slow metabolism. They might have a increased body weight. They might be have a lower body weight. So all of these things are such important factors when taking CBD. So you do have to look at the whole picture, which is, why seeing somebody like you in clinic is actually very important when you're when you're taking certain things such as CBD. And why it's also good to kind of start with a low dosage and just increase until you find the effect that you're looking for. And the dosage, you know, it sounds so simple, but like this uh, start slow and go slow, it, it really also applies for CBD and cannabis and for most herbal treatments, actually. So like when I help people with other kinds of herbal treatments, it's usually the same kind of advice. And even with traditional drugs, you don't usually start on the very highest dose. You increase slowly until you see how much you can tolerate. And some people can tolerate the maximum approved dose. And some people, they have to be on half that dose. And that is how it is with all kinds of active ingredients that there isn't like just one dose. It's just because we've gotten so used to that's how like modern conventional medicine works. But it's actually even for that, it's not true. I mean, okay, if you have a headache, you take like a gram of paracetamols. And that's just like, you know, the consensus, this is like the dosage that is approved. But but even that, I'm sure you could kind of based on your body weight and you know if we were like getting really into the actual sort of pharmacokinetics and of it we would see that we could change it according to the person the person's weight and gender and metabolism so yeah so when we're kind of, I mean, we've, and I really want to go on to a couple of research studies to talk about the impacts that CBD has and, and, you know, the benefits and why people might take it for a range of reasons that people might not be aware of. Well, certainly I wasn't aware of for a very long time. But before we kind of go on to that, after talking about dosages, you know, could we just talk about some of the things where CBD might have some side effects? So, you know, the WHO has reported that in humans, CBD exhibits no effects indicative of any abuse or dependence potential. To date, there is no evidence of public health problems associated with the use of pure CBD. However, CBD does have some side effects that go along with it, which might not affect many people, but there is always still there's always still that risk of anything, even if it's purely holistic. Could you talk about them, like the interactions it might have with medication and so on and so forth. The WHO, they are definitely right when they say like CBD has no addictive properties whatsoever, which is like really important to keep in mind. You would seriously have to ingest like extremely high dosages of CBD like for you to overdose, you cannot overdose on CBD. It's almost impossible. You cannot overdose on cannabis either. And I would say the most serious side effects that we have seen with CBD in medical studies, it's that it can be damaging to the liver in very high doses. 
or not necessarily damaging, but it can raise liver enzymes, which is a sign that the liver has been affected by the high dose just because CBD is broken down in the liver. So that's like, let's say you were taking like a thousand milligrams, that would be like drinking a whole bottle of CBD every day, which I don't know anyone who does that. Like, well, I do know someone with chronic pain who takes a gram of CBD per day. There you might be risking increased liver enzymes. But in the dosages that are used by the average CBD consumer, it's totally safe. Then, of course, like as with all other stuff that you ingest, like all active ingredients, there might be some side effects, which could be diarrhea, like a few people that I have been treating, very, very few. If you have a very sensitive nervous system, you might actually feel that it can get you a little bit more anxious. This is not something that I see very often, but I have seen it a few times. And when that happens, is it best to stop taking CBD? Yeah, so like it depends a little bit on what like CBD product you are using like for example if it's a broad spectrum you can maybe try to change to an isolate where it's only cbd and then you can of course also try to to lower the dosage but if you are in fact having the lowest dose possible and you're still feeling agitated then cbd might not work for you and what about medications and things like that can it interact with any medications i know even things such as pink grapefruit which many people not be aware of but sometimes having pink grapefruit along you know certain medications can stop them working or can interact with them and in, in CBD can this be similar? Yeah so like CBD is also like regulating like these SIP enzymes in the liver that are breaking down certain drugs and so it's up and down regulating these enzymes and to date we know that it may have the possibility to interact with quite a few medications, but in a clinical setting, we only have a handful of drugs where you actually have to be worried. And so those are blood thinners. So if you are on blood thinners, then you should consult your doctor before you use cannabinoids, CBD or other cannabinoids. There are certain antidepressants, eschicitalopram and citalopram, and they might have different names depending on where you are in the world. But it's like certain SSRIs that it may increase the dosage of those. But I work in psychiatry and I've actually never seen it. I'm in a group of clinicians worldwide who works with cannabis and like we just had a conversation about this and apparently it's only like one of the psychiatrists that he only saw this in one patient ever. So I would say when we are talking about real world sort of over-the-counter CBD use, there are almost no real like interactions of importance in the dosages that you use as an over-the-counter CBD user because the dosages are too low to actually have an actual effect and interact with these drugs. But I would say if you're taking blood thinners, I would just talk to my doctor, make sure that it's okay. Yeah, I completely agree. I think if you're on any set of medications or you're worried, please definitely do go and speak to the GP. And so going on from the dosages and to kind of the treatment, we've touched upon anxiety. I feel like anxiety is one of the leading reasons why people take CBD now. And there's been quite a lot of 
studies within this arena. Many focus on animals, but there is more human trials coming and there has been a few. How does CBD help with anxiety? That's a really good question. And actually, the research that I did showed that most people, they actually use CBD for anxiety, stress or sleep problems, that those were like among the top three main reasons. And the studies that have been looking at this has has shown that on a like biological level, CBD does not only interact with the endocannabinoid system, it also interacts with the serotonin system. So it binds to serotonin receptors in the brain. It also is interacting with the GABA system, which is, so the serotonin system is the system that we know from treating treatment of depressions. Like when you give an SSRI, like an antidepressant drug, it increases your serotonin in the brain. So that's somehow what is happening with CBD. It also has an effect on, on serotonin levels. And then a GABA receptors, GABA receptors is down-regulating the activity in the brain. So like it's making the brain, uh, this, it, this is like very, very um, simple way to put it, but it's kind of like making you a little bit more calm when you activate the GABA receptors because it down-regulates the activity. But that's obviously way too simplified. But that's what GABA is. Yeah. For people who don't know what the GABA sister is, it's kind of, they call it like the anti-anxiety release, don't they? A lot of people, when you're doing deep breathing, it releases GABA and gives you a sense of calmness. It's always nice to oversimplify things so that it becomes more understandable. And I would say that besides the endocannabinoid system, which is also involved in, as we spoke about, regulating mood and, and with the anandamide molecule being this molecule of bliss, <laughs> then it, it also is the serotonin system and the GABA system in the brain, which CBD is interacting with. And that is like, this is the most plausible reason for why it can help with anxiety and stress and sleep problems. So yeah, that was like a simple answer to that, which was maybe not that simple at all. <laughs> no, exactly. And I think simplicity is sometimes always the most important because, you know, if you can actually try to understand the direct link and, it, and GABA, I'm sure, you know, many people might have heard of it, but many people might have not heard of it. And it's becoming to the forefront now. It's linked to a lot with as well with deep breathing. And so they found from a lot of kind of scientific studies, like the deep breath, like the out breath helps GABA and releasing that. So I think, yeah, there's so many links with CBD and, and as you said, the serotonin system that can help people start seeing a bit more clearly how it could be affecting them, which I think is really important for, for people to know. And when we move on from anxiety to pain and inflammation, you, you mentioned, you touched upon it earlier, actually, about a pill form could actually be more beneficial for those with inflammation. But what's kind of the research there? I know there's a lot kind of linked to like arthritis and things like that. And fibromyalgia, is it fi- I don't know how you say that word. Fibromyalgia. That's the yeah. one. Yeah. So when I said that CBD can be taken as a capsule, this is often really good for inflammation in the gut. So if you are suffering from some kind of inflammation in the gut, which a lot of us actually, I mean, you know that as a nutritionist, right, that a lot of our sort of chronic pain and even certain mental health conditions 
are actually also associated with an unhealthy gut. So yeah, to try to address inflammation in the gut can be a good idea and CBD can help support um, and like an anti-inflammatory diet and stuff like that. So I would say the main reason why CBD is working as an analgesic, as a pain relief is because of this anti-inflammatory effect. So when often you need quite high dosages to get this anti-inflammatory effect. So some researchers in Israel, they actually say that it's about like, you know, a two to five milligrams per kilogram, which is to say it's two milligrams and you're like 50 kilos, obviously like a hundred milligrams a day just to get that anti-inflammatory effect. But it might as well have a direct effect on pain, even though it's not as good a direct pain reliever as, for example, THC, which we know can modulate pain way better than CBD. That's why people get medicinal cannabis for chronic pain and not only CBD. CBD is also medicinal cannabis, but like when I say medicinal cannabis, I often mean THC. Yeah, including THC, right? Yeah. And I guess the link there is that, yeah, that is, it's a different, I guess, topic of conversation because it's something that you can't just buy off the shelves and it does have other effects to it, doesn't it? Yeah, and it has more side effects and CHC is not like really addictive. It's nothing compared to nicotine or even alcohol. It obviously still has like a profile which makes it at least in our parts of the world, something that is administered by doctors and not something you can just go and buy yourself. Like, of course, if you were living in Canada or the US in in some states, you would just be able to. Yeah, it's legalized there, isn't it? I remember when I go to LA and I walk past these shops and it still blows my mind. I've been in England, you know, it's such a different way of of culture when when you see kind of, yeah, shops selling weed quite openly. <laughs> but they actually estimate that there are millions of English people, of people in the UK who are using cannabis like medicinally. So they are, they are using like medicinal cannabis, but illegally to treat lots of different like pain conditions. And you mentioned it yourself, like fibromyalgia is actually one of the like pain conditions that responds so well to cannabis, like also CBD sometimes, more so a combination of CBD and THC. I see a lot of young people with fibromyalgia or like other kind of like chronic pain syndromes, like headaches as well, Horton's headaches and migraines. And they just tried all those like pretty like high side effect pain drugs like gabapentin and amitriptyline and those kind of drugs. And they are just like so fed up like the side effects and they try cannabis and they can go off all the other meds. It helps According to one of the most famous researchers in the endocannabinoid system, it helps to even out the endocannabinoid system. And according to him, Ethan Russo, he's called, he says that like many of these pain conditions like migraines, fibromyalgia, even IBS and other diseases that are really common in young people, that they're caused by an unbalance of the endocannabinoid system. It's fascinating. It is definitely fascinating. And it's an area that I don't know much about. And listening to you, I'm just thinking, 
I would love to know more. And also, I don't want anyone just to think that if they have any of these symptoms, they can just go and get some weed and, and smoke a joint and think that all of these symptoms will just disappear. It's really important that these are talking about specific doses under the care of doctors and practitioners. It's a completely different way of approaching it than just going to buy some weed and smoking it and thinking it's going to cure all your problems because I think that's also kind of a really mixed messaging when people hear these types of stories and then think that that's kind of the route to go so just kind of popping that out there to anyone who's listening and thinks now I'm gonna gonna go and buy some weed it's a really really good thing to say it's so important we have specialized cannabis clinics now where medicinal cannabis is being prescribed by doctors who are now specialists in treating many of these conditions with medicinal cannabis and CBD and there are the medical cannabis clinics in London and there are many places where you can get help directly from well-trained doctors so definitely go that route don't go through the black market you don't know what you're going to get and the risk of like uh, products with too high THC it's just not worth it because it can can make your problems worse yeah yeah so important it's so important I think that's what we really try to get through this podcast as well is actually like please always speak to an expert regarding any health concern that you have and so I think that's such a great way to end today and, and I always like to just before we go ask the same question to all my guests Julie what does live well be well mean to you so I think that Live well really means that you live in accordance to your own ideals and that you follow your own inner guidance and your inner compass. And be well, well-being, I think it's a mindset and it's also a lifestyle. It's not something that can be solved by either CBD or any other like single supplement or ingredient, but it's more so an outlook on your mental health and your body and that you decide to really treat it with respect. And that means eating well, sleeping well, drinking well. And I don't mean drinking lots of alcohol, but... (laughs) (laughs) H2O. Exactly. (laughs) And just like really like making sure that your number one priority is your mental and physical health, because then you can live a life where you can actually make a difference to the people that you love and to yourself and be a good example. And so, yeah, be well, live well. I love that. It embodies everything you feel and believe in, which is kind of the whole holistic picture in one. Yeah. It's combining all of it together, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And so I think people would love listening to this, just know more. And I feel like people are going to be going, there's still more I want to know. And you have a book on this, kind of the the CBD book that you've written last, was it this year or the last year? Last year. It came out last year. It was like pretty bad timing in the middle of like the pandemic. Wow, I feel like that's when everyone probably needed some CBD, if I'm honest. But you wrote the book, A Quick Guide to CBD, Everything You Need to Know, which is available on Amazon. And I'd highly recommend it as a read. And where else can people find you? Your website, your Instagram, people want to know more. Yeah, so my website is drjuliemolker.com and there you can see about the work that I do, but you can also book 10 minutes uh, free, like an intro to the holistic consultation. So if you 
do suffer from like stress, anxiety, sleep problems, and you feel that you would like to incorporate the cannabinoids or other holistic treatments into your daily routines, I offer that in my holistic practice. And yeah, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm Julie Molke. And uh, I'm also, I think I'm also on your website, right? The you are. Collective. Yeah. Yeah. You are. I was going to say, you've got a fantastic article on there. Maybe we can try and get one and put a CBD article up there as well. Yeah, I'm sure we can do that. And I do have to say that in the immediate future, I'm going to be on maternity leave. But in a couple of months, <laughs> I will probably take up a few like single consultations because I think it's such a rewarding job to be working with this. Oh, oh, well, I'm so pleased. And thank you so much for coming on four days before you're about to give birth. And I'm <laughs> happy to now say at the end of our hours episode, you have not gone into labor. So we haven't got our first live well, be well, baby. No, no, not. <laughs> I must say I'm quite happy about that. And also I'm quite happy that I did not have too much pregnancy brain because, you know, that is actually certainly a thing. So <laughs> Baby brain, it's a true Baby thing. I've actually do a podcast on that. And I was kind of just sort looked at my phone briefly and I had a friend respond to me after four weeks saying, I'm so sorry, I've got baby brain. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. Next podcast. Next podcast, exactly. But I wish you all the best in the next few days as well as all of our listeners and by the time this is coming out I am sure you're going to be a mum so I hope so (laughs) best of luck and um, we will definitely get when you have more time in a few months get some articles from you on CBD so people can read more about it but until then you'll have to go and buy her book yeah thank you thank you Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Live Well, Be Well. I really hope you found that as fascinating as I did. If you are interested, as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, on trying some samples of CBD, our fantastic sponsors of this episode, Columbia Care, are giving away samples to our wonderful listeners of this podcast. So do head to the show notes and grab your free code and give it a try and see how you feel. If you are worried or you do want to go see a GP or speak to Julie, please do regarding CBD. And if you haven't yet, please do subscribe to our BY Collective newsletter. We have a host of really exciting new workshops coming your way that is now open to the whole of the general public. I really wanted to expand these workshops and I really wanted to allow all of you to come and experience them. We have a range of new ones coming up for anxiety and mental health, from loneliness to nutrition. So many and so much to come. So please, please do sign up so you don't miss out your chance. I would absolutely love to see you there. And until next week, I hope you all live well and be well. Before you go, I have something new to tell you about. There's brand new bonus content waiting for you with every new guest I speak to. These are exclusively for my inner circle of Apple subscribers. To listen now, head to the Live Well, Be Well show page on Apple Podcasts, where you can activate your free trial and you can enjoy the podcast without adverts.